Anybody ready to discover your destiny today? All right, seven people. That's good. I'll take all I can get. So I'm Pastor Kevin. I'm super glad you're here. Welcome to the JV crowd that's in the building today. Glad y'all are in the main service. What's up? They have a destiny, don't they? So we just, let me just give you a quick recap. Um, we started off the year in a series called Altars. So we have four major things we want to help people experience. This is the vision of our church. We want people to, number one, experience Jesus. How many know that's what the whole series about altars was about? You can't alter your past, but you can bring your past to the altar. Aren't you glad? Then we got into relationships. In February, we did a series called Swipe Right. How many know you can swipe wrong, but we don't want you to do that. We want you to swipe right. We talked about relationships, and that's number two. We want people to get connected. Experience Jesus, get connected. And then number three, we start today, discover your destiny. That's a big part of what our church is all about, helping people discover their divine destiny and equipping them to fulfill it. That's our mission statement. And then, of course, number four is change the world. We're going to get into that in our next series after this one. But today, we start a three-part series called Discover Your Destiny. We're going to talk today, uh, I'm going to kind of lay the foundation today, and you're probably going to feel like you're drinking from a fire hydrant, because i got a lot to say in a short amount of time. So here we go. Rev up your pens. Hello to everybody watching us online. What's up, Facebook Live? And hey to everybody over in the family venue. We're super glad that you're worshiping with us today. Get ready for your life to be changed. Abraham, the father of our faith, was married to the love of his life, Sarah, they both went through a name change. I mean, God will change your name, right? But uh, he, maybe like you, he got tired of being married to a, something barren, <laughs> something that would not produce fruit. And maybe you are tired of being married in life, metaphorically, to something barren that's not producing fruit. So you have options like Abraham did. A, you can just throw up your hands and give up. Uh, B, you can sleep with your wife's housemaid and try to have a baby through her. Uh, not a good idea, by the way. Let's <laughs> <Just> ask Abraham. <laughs> or number three, after he repented of trying to produce the promise of God in his own strength, he said, you know what, we're just going to have to do this by faith. I mean, you know, it's what you have faith for is a clue to what your destiny is. And so he... And Mama Sarah, they were old, but they continued to do what's necessary to have babies. I mean, you got to do everything by faith. You know what I'm saying? And eventually, the promise was conceived. Well, today, if you have some barren areas of your life, we're going to talk today about how to unlock your destiny. Because you don't decide your destiny, you discover it. And I want you to know that you have a gift on the inside of you that you need to share with the world. In fact, this world will not be as bright as it could be until you discover and begin to walk in the destiny that God put you here on this planet for. So years ago, there was a survey done. Thousands of people were asked. They said, if there were a God, of course we know there is, but if there were a God and you could ask him any one question, what would you ask him? 96% of the people said, I would ask God, what am I here for? <laughs> what in the world am I here for? Well, today, we're going to talk about that question over this series. So do not miss one Sunday of this series for your own good. Don't miss it. So I'm going to share some verses with you today. I said we're going to start. Your destiny is locked inside of your decisions. So again, decide, I ain't missing church for the next few weeks. 
And go ahead and decide you're going to bring somebody with you who needs to discover their destiny also. All right. Three verses. They're all in chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. It says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things. Somebody say, work it, Holy Spirit. Well, what's he working? He's distributing to each one individually as he wills. In other words, the Holy Spirit distributed something into your life, a gift, talents, abilities, destiny, callings, purpose. He distributed that into your life as it pleased him. It made him happy to make you the way you are, to put the gifts and callings and skills and talents on the inside of you that are on the inside of you. So, verse 12 For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of the the body being many are one body, so also is Christ. How many know we might look a little different, but we are all connected to Jesus? In fact, I did a series back in the summer of 2019 called BYOB, Bring Your Own Bible, and we said that scientists, not this is secular, this is not religious people, these are scientists are now telling us that there are no colored people in the world. In other words, we're all different shades of the same color is what they're telling us now, scientifically speaking. Well, we've known that for, I mean, as long as, as we've been reading the Bible. Isn't that right? So, we, if, in fact, uh, racist people won't like what I'm about to say next, but um, none of them are here. We ran them off a long time ago. Or got them born again. Come on. So anyway, we done cast that devil out a long time ago around here. But anyway, uh, here's what I want to tell you is that if you, if you go back far enough, you know, we're all related. Did you know that? If you go back far enough, you either come to the boat or the garden. <laughs> so we might be different shades of the same color, but we all bleed red. Same color on the inside. Now, can you imagine? Boy, I better not meddle. But anyway, uh, can you imagine Noah's wife? How surprised she was. She had three boys. And, um, and, you know, they, all, the, all the different, you know, I say different races, ethnic groups, we're all the same race, there's only one race, but different ethnicities came out of, of Noah and, and Mama Noah. And, you know, one day she had a baby and he, you know, he was a little mocha baby and then she had a little Asian looking baby and then she, you know, so I'm saying they all, all came out and I'm sure at some point Noah was getting suspicious. He's like, what's going on around here? I'm, I mean, I'm the only dude around now, but... <laughs> Anyway, but I'm not going to meddle with any of that. But, but my point is, is, that, is that we're all part of the body of Christ, even though we might be a little different on the outside, but really, we're really not that different. And, and, and furthermore, we all have different gifts. We're, a little, we're, a little, we're the same on the inside, but we're different on the inside too, meaning that we all have different gifts and talents. But we need what you have and you need what I have. We are, we, are, we are in this love together. We need each other, right? Come on, just kind of knee, knee your neighbor and say, I need you. Verse 18. <laughs> but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Who did it please? Him. Did you know you don't get to pick where you go to church? If Jesus is the Lord of your life, you, just, you, you are set in the body where it pleases him. It made God happy to set you at Harvest Church. And y'all might not even know this, but I didn't, pick, I didn't choose to come here. God set me here. He sent me and set me. And I, my job is just to obey and enjoy the journey. That's, that's your job too. So I, I'm happy 
I'm happy being set here. And you know, uh, God asked me, you know, God asks you trick questions sometimes, you know that? He asked me uh, not long ago, he said, um, Kevin, if, you're, if, this church, if I just wave my divine hand and all of a sudden Harvest Church was a church of 5,000 people, would that satisfy you? And I said, it depends. I was trying to be clever with the Lord. Depends on what? Like he didn't know. You know it depends on what? I, it depends on if you're going to be there or not. Because <laughs> if he ain't here, I don't want to be here. Right? I'd rather have a church of 500 like we are that's full of the Holy Ghost and that people can walk into the manifest presence of God and get set free from addictions and get set free from demonic oppression and get healed in their body. That's the kind of church. I want to be a part of a powerful. I don't care if it's big. I want it to be powerful and alive and life-giving. Right? And if it's those things, it will grow because people are looking for the real deal, man. They don't want the fake stuff. They don't want the, the, the fancy's great, but that's just tools and bait. We want the manifest presence of God in our midst. Amen. And the one way to, to further move our church toward that is for you to know God and to know yourself, to know the gifts and callings that are on the inside of you and to use those in our community and to use those in the house because we need your talents. We need your giftings. We just do. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 9. Romans 12, 3 through 9, and it says this, For I say through the grace given to me. Did you know grace was given to you? To everyone who is among you. So everybody in here has got grace today. Not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. So you should think highly of yourself, just not more highly than you ought to. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So you got grace and you got faith. Grace has been given to you. Faith has been dealt to you. So, well, I just got to play the cards I've been dealt. You've been dealt the faith card. The, the question is, are you going to play it or not? That's another sermon for another Sunday. I'll keep moving. Verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Some of you got gifts, but you're not using them. Come on, somebody say, preach, pastor. You got gifts, so use them. If it's prophecy, prophesy in proportion to your faith. If ministry, let us use it in ministering. That's the Greek word deaconos, where we get the word deacon. So some of you are, are called to be, gifted to be deacons in the church. So you need to start deacon around a little bit more. All right. He who teaches in teaching. So some of you are called to be small group leaders. He who exhorts or encourages. That's our, our greeters and parking lot and VIP. And, and uh, I mean, you can, you can function anywhere with these gifts. But the question is, is just, or the real thing is, is you just got to use it. You got to use the gift that you got. Uh, he who gives with liberality. Now, don't let me talk about this one. Because I know some of you got the gift of giving. But you got to use your gift. And then, that is cool, though, to think that actually some people have the gift of giving. Along with that gift, some of you are going to want this gift after I describe it. Along with that gift is also the ability to make money. Money, money, money. You make it because not only is your calling in life to, 
not, not just to survive, but it's to thrive. It, it's for all of us. It's not just to take care of us four no more, now, you know, raise my kids and pay my bills. That's not the all-encompassing description of the call of God on your life. That's part of it, but it's not just taking care of you and yours. It's also having more than enough to give and to help other people. Thank you for those three grunts and one amen. It's true anyhow. It's true anyhow. All right. And and if you have the gift of giving, you're excited right now. You're like, yes, that's my gift. Come on, preach, Pastor. Talk some more about it, but I don't have time. (laughs) He who leads with diligence, that's a gift. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Tom won't allow me today to read Hebrews chapter 12, but I'll give you the reference if you want to write it down. Hebrews 12, verses 14 through 16. But it's an example there of someone not using God's grace for the right reasons. You have gifts, but you got to use them for eternal purposes, not temporary purposes. Esau, he traded his eternal birthright for a temporary bowl of soup. So uh, you got to use your eternal grace not just for temporal gain. Some of you are, are gregarious and you're great salespeople and you go out into the world and you make a lot of money, but God didn't give you that just for secular purposes. He gave you that for eternal purposes. Maybe, maybe you're in construction and you build stuff, but you're also called to build the kingdom. Maybe you are a caregiver and, and you work in the medical field or hospice, but you're also called to give care and through the body of Christ. So don't just use your gift that God gave you for secular purposes. Sanctify your gift and use it for eternal purposes in the house, in the house of God. Somebody say, get in the house. All right, so that's what Hebrews 12 is about. But here's my three points today. And I, if I didn't tell you the title of my sermon, I want to warn you up front that my wife told me I should run this by some people, but I didn't. So here's the title of my sermon today, and it's simply this. It's, Do You, Boo? <laughs> All right, so here's, I got three points. Thank you. Here's point number one. Point number one is, be who you be. I know that's bad English, but it's good theology. Let's get into it. Because a lot of times we allow insecurity and low self-esteem to keep us average. But may I announce to you today that God never made any average people. You are the highest form of God's creation. You are spectacular and unique. And God didn't preordain anybody to be low-income, average, mediocre. And mediocre is the worst kind of ochre there is. And so, the greater one is on the inside of you as a Christ follower. And how many know he didn't put the greater one in you to do average things? So, let me just start by saying, be who you be. Well, who is, what is that? It's greater. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, right? So, again, you are God's highest form of creation. You have something to offer the world that nobody else has to offer. And if you don't discover and step into your divine destiny, the world will not be as bright as it possibly could be. And, you, and if you don't step in, discover and step into your destiny, this church won't be as bright as it could be. We need you. God needs you. I need God, but God needs you. He made and fashioned and formed you and wired you up the way he did so that you could, uh, you could uh, show his glory to the world in a unique and special way. I used to be so upset and angry that I wasn't six foot three. And God made me five foot seven. 
And one day I was on an international flight to Asia, and there was this guy next to me who was six foot four, and he was miserable because he didn't have no room. And I thought, man, I'm feeling pretty good right now. God, you made me for this. So I want you to know you're made for this. Whatever this is, you're made for it. So be who you be. And you are always, and by the way, you cannot fulfill your divine destiny without giving. I don't mean when the offering plate goes by. I'm talking about there's a gift in you, and you've got to give it to the world. So, pain often determines the decisions that we make. Pain can determine or decide your desires. Say, what do you mean, Pastor? You're always moving away from something. Uh, People's desire to be free from pain, this is a a study that has been, been done, and they've discovered that people, if they had to choose between moving away from pain or moving towards pleasure, they would choose moving away from pain. People would rather be free from pain than be enveloped in, in pleasure. You say, well, why wouldn't you pick the pleasure? Uh, because it doesn't necessarily guarantee the absence of the pain. But if I could know that there is no pain, they're going to choose that. So here's, here's what happens, is that uh, pain causes in us a desire for change, doesn't it? If it hurts, you're like, ooh, I want, something, I want to change. I want something different. So God doesn't cause pain, but he can use or leverage the pain to help motivate us to make better decisions. Have you ever experienced what I'm talking about? So if pain caused change, then the Holy Spirit would be unnecessary. But pain... I'll tell you like a chiropractor told me one time. I was like, yeah, doc, it hurts right there. I got pain. He goes, pain's not your problem. It just tells you you got one. It's just a signal your body is sending you telling you that you have a problem that needs some attention, right? And that's what pain is. It's, a, it's not the problem. It's a signal that you have a problem. And so what does that pain do? It should make us turn our attention to God's word and God's spirit and go, what's the answer? What's the solution, Holy Spirit? What do I do? Different. To create change, to move away from this pain so that I can walk in the prosperity that you have designed and destined for me. Now, uh, I feel compelled to tell you that yes, God has destined prosperity for you. He has destined health and healing for you. I know some people don't believe that, but uh, it's why, in fact, Jesus was made poor. I'm just quoting scripture. He was made to be poor that you might be made rich. Can you say that in church? It's a four-letter word. Yes, you can. So God uses pain or what we might call consequences to move you away from some things and move you toward other things. That's what the little arrows back there represent on Discover Your Destiny. It's like a, um, uh, what do you call that? Like a treasure hunt or a, uh, what do you call it? The game we used to play, you know, when you go find scavenger hunt. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Scavenger hunt. Where you, I mean, life is like a scavenger hunt, but the Holy Spirit is your guide and the God's Word is your compass. Let me, let me read a verse to you. It's one of my favorites. It's John chapter 10 and verse 10. Some theologians call this the dividing line of Scripture. What do you mean the dividing line? It divides, it, it settles the issue of whether God is good or not. Theology 101 is God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. But theology 102 is the devil's bad all the time. All the time, the devil, he's, he ain't never had a good day. He's just mean, bad. And the, Jesus told us that in John 10, 10. He said, there's a thief 
and his name is the devil. He's your enemy, and he only comes for these reasons. He only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, but I am come that you may have what? Life, and that you may have it how? More abundantly. One translation says super abundantly. Now, let me, let me break it down. Uh, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can read a Greek dictionary, and this is what it says. Jesus said, I came to give you life. In the Greek, that's the word zoe. That means the God kind of life and the God quality of life. So Jesus said, I came that you might have zoe, the God kind of life. Well, let me ask you a question. What kind, this isn't in my notes, but somebody needs to hear this today. What kind of life does God have? I mean... Is he, ever, is he ever sitting on the throne and there's so much going on in the world? He's just so anxious. He's like, ah, where's the Prozac, man? I'm having a bad day. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, irritable bowel, just so nervous. No, that's not the kind of life God has. Or have the lights ever, like all of a sudden, the, the choir in heaven is singing and all of a sudden, poof, the lights go off. He's like, Jesus Christ, did you pay the light bill? Come on, break me off a piece of that asphalt, that gold over there, and pay the light bill. Or, I mean, all right, everybody, hawk the pearly gates. We got a recession going on in heaven. Oh, what's for dinner, God? I don't know. Huh? What kind of life does God have? Not like some of the life that you're living. But isn't that what Jesus came to give us was the God kind and the God quality of life? You think God's ever like up there going, I don't know what to do. Uh, what, what, what decision do I make? I, oh, my, oh, myself. What? <laughs> right? No, but a lot of you, you don't know what to do. I mean, you do. You just don't know you know what to do. That's what I'm trying to help you with today. So what kind of life, JV, does God have? Because it's the same kind of life he came to give you. He came to give you the God kind and quality of life. You think God's ever so long? I'm so lonely, I could cry. God's up there just wishing he had a friend. No, he lives in eternal community. And he likes himself. I, mean, I could go on and on about that. I could preach a whole series on the God kind and quality of life. And that's what Jesus came to give you. So do you think that involves food stamps? Now, if you're on food stamps, I'm not making fun of you. I'm just telling you, there's something better headed your way in Jesus' name. Because God's will for your life is a microphone that stays on your head. I don't know why this one's jumping off my head today. But, there's, but God's will for your life is not to survive. He's called and created you to thrive. Anybody listening? Well, I'm just in so much debt. Well, you need to make better decisions. And you can get out of debt. Wealth is anything that you need that you have an abundance of. Well, pastor, money's the root of all evil. No, it's loving money. I know some people that love money, but they don't have any of it. <laughs> money's evil. No, it's just paper, actually. Solomon... Remember him? He was the wisest guy and the richest guy that ever lived, as far as we know. And he didn't get money because he asked for wisdom. He had money because he had wisdom. Let me, let me 
Wisdom is the factory that produces some of the following products. Wisdom is the factory that creates and generates. What does it crank out? Here's what wisdom cranks out. It cranks out peace. <sighs> when you walk in wisdom, you walk in peace. Wisdom cranks out. For Solomon, it was called fame. For us, it's called influence. Wisdom cranks out wealth and resources. Wisdom cranks out favor. How many of you know favor ain't fair? And I could go on and on. But why did Solomon walk in these things? Because he walked in wisdom. Poverty, by the way, is not a blessing. Uh, I know somebody who took a vow of poverty. Okay? They are stupid. <laughs> now, or they're misinformed. We'll, we'll go with that. Because you can get over being misinformed. You can't, it's hard to get over being stupid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so maybe they're just misinformed. They just don't... Hey, when somebody reads the will, they're like, you know, I, I died and I hereby left all my bottle cap collection to, you know, whoever. You read the will. So here's what we do at Harvest Church every Sunday morning. We come and we read the will so you can see what you got coming to you. So that's what this series is about. It's, it's about not only what you got coming to you, but what you already got. Maybe you're just not aware of it. So uh, I, I have good news today. I have really good news. That everything that you need and want in life is a product of wisdom. Proverbs says it this way, wisdom is the principal thing. The New Testament says it this way, it says, Jesus has been made unto us, what? Wisdom. Because you might be thinking, well, I don't have any wisdom. Aha, Jesus was made to be wisdom for you. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? Jesus, what do I do? It's that simple. And then listen, because he will answer you, whether it's through a sermon that your pastor preaches, whether it's through your amazing smoking hot wife that God gave you, or whether it's through reading the Bible and just something jumps off at you and, and says, you know, wow, I needed that. I mean, God knows what you need. He's your guide on the inside. So everything you need is the product of wisdom. So we could say if Jesus has been made unto us wisdom, we could say it this way, that Jesus is everything you need. And when you know him, then you can be who you be. And do you, boo. Here's point number two. Point number two is do what you do. Do what you do. Somebody gave me the microphone. I was preaching somewhere, and he gave me the microphone, and it's my time to go out and speak. He goes, do what you do. Well, what do you do? Because the Bible says it this way in Zechariah 4, 6. It says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So there is a divine ability that's important to you when your strength runs out. Has your strength ever run out? If it hasn't, you ain't ever done anything by faith. I want you to get to the place where your strength is tapped out, but then you tap into that divine ability that's available to you to discover and fulfill your destiny. All right, so there's a divine ability that's important to you. Everybody say, I got it. You do. Now, I'm not a graphic designer. I can draw stick people. And if you look real close, you can see that they're stick people. That's not my gift. But I can pick up a guitar, and I can strum it pretty easy. Actually, I, I used to do it a lot more prolifically, but I, my hobby used to be songwriting. And I can, I've written dozens of songs. I have a worship album. You can go to Apple Music, and it's called, uh, what's it called? Uh, Pictures in the Sky. Uh, 12, 
praise and worship songs. And so, I'll, and that's easy for me. It's just mixing the right sounds with the right words. You got a song. And so I've got, I have lots of songs that I, I haven't recorded. Some of them should be on the radio. I don't know why they're not. But, that, but I've written some amazing songs. And I'll give you an example of, of one that's not amazing, but it's, it's funny. Uh, you want to hear a little of my songwriting skills? Okay. It, it goes, I love redneck women. They don't mind my skull dipping. What? It's kind of a Brad Paisley sort of thing anyway. Um, don't judge all my songwriting based on that sample. There's, there's, there's both better and worse. Believe it or not, but anyway, but but that's that's a talent. I can write songs. Um, I, I can I can write sermons. I used to get in trouble. You're gonna hard, have a hard time believing this. I used to get in trouble in school for talking in class. <laughs> Your son is the class clown. And my, what my teacher thought was an admonition, sending an O home to get in trouble. I thought was a testimony of my talent and skills. I was like, look, Dad. I'm the class clown. I was so excited. <laughs> and God bless my parents. They were so proud of me. Oh, boy. You know, they encouraged me. <laughs> so I have gifts and I have talents and I have skills. But fixing doorknobs is not one of those talents or skills, as you learned recently in our last series, right? So, but you got to do what you do. If you ask me to build you a piece of furniture, it's not going to happen. I would find an apple crate and say, have a seat. I mean, that's, <laughs> right? Or, um, r- r- you know, here's, here's what I want you to know. You have abilities that have been divinely imparted to you, and if you mix those with experience, exposure, practice, opportunity, training, learning, those skills and talents can become exponentially greater and even develop into world class. But you've got to find out what they are, and I'm going to give you some clues as to what they are. What comes naturally to you is a sign of your assignment. What comes naturally to you is a sign of what your destiny is. So uh, some of your abilities might be generic or generational. Have you ever, um, you know, guys, have you ever found yourself or or been walking? I've done done this before and I thought, I'm walking like my dad right now. This is so weird. Or ladies, have you ever, you've ever channeled your mother? Let me tell you something right now. And you're like, oh my God, I'm my mother or whatever, you know. Well, in the Bible, there were people who genetically, uh, they had gifts and talents, just genetically. For, uh, for example, the Levites were always, hey, Levite, why are you in the ministry? Well, my dad was in the ministry. My grandfather was a priest. My great-great-grandfather. I mean, we were just all priests. That's what we do. We're Levites. The tribe of Judah, they were bad to the bone. They could break your neck and hide the body. And they always went out in battle first because they were fighters. They were warriors, man. And so we, the different people have genetic gifts and talents that maybe were passed down to you. My wife, is, uh, she can paint and she's artsy. And um, her mother was a phenomenal artist and could carve and paint. And her grandmother was an artist and could paint. And we have paint, her grandmother's paintings in our house. And why? Well, it's just genetically they got passed down. I don't know how that works. But, but, um, but you have genetic things that are on the inside of you. Uh, but what you love is a clue to a gift you contain. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. What you love is a clue to a gift that you contain. Uh, I'll give you an example. What do you love to learn about? Pay attention to what you enjoy learning about. That's a clue. Pay attention to what you don't want to know about. That's also a clue. 
Um, there are hundreds of books in my library across the hall. Not one of them is about auto mechanics. <laughs> don't care. But if there's a gift I don't have, I need to honor someone else who do have, do ha do have that gift. <laughs> who do what they do. <laughs> right? So, uh, and usually I honor those auto mechanics by about, you know, $50 an hour. So that's how you honor those guys. But say, well, I, I'm not good with numbers. Well, you need to honor someone who is. Or if you are good with numbers, you might need to honor somebody who's good with people. Um, so be open about what you don't do well. I mean, do you want to know how to remove half of the stress from your life immediately? Anybody interested? Stop trying to be what you're not. <laughs> if you're a dog, bark. If you like to be with people, be with people. I like to work alone. I'm, you know, I'm a recluse, whatever. But knowing yourself is almost as important as knowing God. Know what distinguishes you from others. That which makes you unlike another. Let me say it again. Grow and distinguish that which makes you different from other people. Nurture that ability because somebody's future is connected to what makes you different. What, make, what, what may be an irritant to some is a life jacket to others. That thing about you that irritates some people is a lifesaver to other people. So don't, don't worry about the people who don't like you. You ain't here for them. God put you here for somebody else. So do you, boo. Say it the Lord. <laughs> All right. Now, I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, Jesse Duplantis, he's coming here again in May. I was taking him to the airport last year, and he says, he said, uh, Kevin, I like your church. Uh, you got a good church. I said, yes, sir, I do. He goes, if you invited me, I'd come back. <laughs> I said, well, consider yourself invited. So he's coming back in, in May. But, you know, if you could see him on TV, you could turn the volume off, and he's still funny, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, what's that guy saying? I want to hear him. He's funny. Come on, he's just, he found what's different about him, and he just went with it. You know, there's a pastor down in Miami, Rich Wilkerson Jr. My kids love him. And, you know, and he's just, he's just tall and handsome, and I mean, always got the clothes on, like a fashion model, just good looking. He's, he's cool, and this ain't fair. You know, he's tall and handsome, and God gave y'all a short, squatty pastor. I don't know why, but he knew you needed that. So <laughs> just a couple nights ago, Miss Adrian and I, we heard live and in person, we heard the Bishop T.D. Jakes preach the gospel. My God, he's powerful. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. His head was sweating. It was awesome. <laughs> and if I tried to preach like him, y'all be like, what happened? What's wrong with pastor today? He had too much coffee, you know what I'm saying? But my point is, you got to do you, boo. You got to be, and if I start looking at all these other pastors, like Stephen Furtick, he's the most successful pastor in the history of pastors. And if we look at people like him, I start thinking after a while, it's just not even necessary. Oh, I just need to go to Sam's and give away samples and pump gas. You know, why am I even in the ministry? My point being is you can look at other people and you can commit like I have the sin of comparison and think you're unnecessary, but you're not because there's something unique about you that God needs in this earth. And he didn't make you just to get by or to be average. He made you to be spectacular. Because there's nobody like you. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Tell, cut three people right now and say there's nobody like you. <laughs> you know, things that you can tolerate, that's a clue to your destiny. Like people that, that are Christian counselors, 
And therapists, you know, that, that's, a, that's an amazing gift. They, have, they can sit there and they can listen to other people's problems and act interested. <laughs> I don't have that. I don't have that ability. My wife's actually really good at it, but, but I'm like, I'm an exhorter. I'm an encourager. You know, I just want to say, hey, quit being stupid. What's wrong with you? You know, uh, what does the Bible say about your problem? Okay, do that. Next. Who's next? Who's counseling? I'm ready. Let's go. Admit it. Quit it. Forget it. Next. Let's go. So, but, but if you can listen to people and go, oh, wow, how did that make you feel? And uh, that, that's a gift. That's a talent. But if you don't have that, you need to be aware of that too, right? But, but people that you can tolerate, things that you can tolerate. The IT guy came uh, to the offices a few, a few weeks ago because we had some issues. And he started talking about, and, and, you know, and, I'm, and, and, and so he finally, uh, about five minutes in, he's like, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I stopped listening like 30 seconds in, dude. I, when you, you said flux capacitator, I started thinking about Back to the Future, and I, I, didn't, I don't even speak that language, man. IT, but yeah. can, all I want is, can you fix it? That's all. And how much is going to cost me? That's all I want to know. I don't, I don't care, but I want to honor you. But so maybe you have an ability to create an environment that put other people at ease and make them feel comfortable. You have the, the gift of hospitality. That, you need to know that about yourself. Or maybe you're an artist like my wife. Or, or maybe, maybe you, uh, we have a, a, our real estate agent is here in our church. She's amazing. And, and, and she goes and shows us these houses because we're, we're house shopping. And, uh, and after every house, I'm like, I'll take it. She just makes me want to buy every house we see because she's such a great salesperson. And so, but that's a gift and a talent. And I, no matter how many houses we look at, she's like, yeah, let's go look at some. I'm like, wow. I would, if I was a real estate agent, I'd be like, all right, just tell me what you want, and I'll bring it to you, and we can get this done. But she's like, oh, let's go look at 100 houses. It's amazing. It's a gift. But never trivialize someone else's gifting, especially your own. And it might be so natural to you, you don't even realize it's a gift. But how many know it takes a lot of different instruments to make up an orchestra? They're not all the same, are they? Well, they're all different, and that's on reason. So don't minimize your ability because someone else doesn't see its value. There's something special in you, right? What if there were no secretaries to type? And what if there were no uh, personal assistants to help keep our schedules straight? And what if God took away all the sanitation engineers and all the trash piled up on the streets? You know, I mean, we need people to operate in their gifting and in their functioning. And, and what if, what, I mean, how many of you are glad for hairstylists? I mean, it doesn't take long to be ugly. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So you got to <laughs> thank God for everybody working their skills and their talents because we need the gift that's on the inside of you. And your decisions define your wealth. Deciding which of your dominant gifts are needed by those around you is a key to you monetizing and creating resources for you to fulfill your assignment on the earth. You need to know uh, what your focus needs to be right now. What season you're in right now. What season you're not in right now. What do you like about you? What do you want others to see or not see about you. You need to be aware and think about those things because every day you're not in the middle of your strength, you're in the middle of your weakness. And if I could get you operating in the middle of your strength 60% of the time, then you can compensate and overcome any weakness that you have. World-class ping pong. I wish I had a video clip. You've seen those, those Asian guys, I man, they're just... Bam! I mean, I can't even swing my body that hard. It's like nobody can return that, that shot and they're just... bam. Bam, they're like Forrest Gump, man, bam, bam. They're killing the ping pong ball. 
And they asked the world, the greatest ping pong coach in Olympic history, they said, how do you, what do you do to compensate for your ping pong players' weaknesses? And he said, he goes, I discover their strengths and we drill and we work and we develop their strengths until their weakness doesn't matter. Like, that's hardcore, man. That's a ping pong coach, man. Whoa. I thought football coaches were hardcore. You just work on your strength till your weakness doesn't even matter. What weakness? There's strength in you. And you can develop that strength to where whatever weakness you have is irrelevant. That's a good place to say amen. People are constantly trying to change you, and that's got you focused on your weakness. So find what you do best and stay in that. Not responding to the needs or the criticism of people, but to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because he knows how he made you and what strength that you have on the inside of you. Remember, it's not by might, not by power. By my spirit, saith the Lord. So, don't try to do anything without the Lord's counsel. Use your faith and then be faithful. Here's point number three. Point number, number one, what was number one? Uh, be who you be. Number two was do what you do. And number three is, it is what it is. It is what it is. Pay attention to what you have faith for. Mark eleven twenty two and 23, it says, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. For surely I say to you, this is Jesus talking, whoever says to this mountain, did you know that you're a whoever? Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Did you know what you say is headed your way? So what do you have faith for? I'll give you an example. Um, the universe is a bunch of formulas and keys and laws. There's laws of the universe that keep it running, that govern the universe. So, and one of those laws, though, is that some people, somebody has a gift that you don't have, but you need it. That's why we work together, right? That's why we all work on the serve team, and we all do our part. That's one of the laws of the universe. But what do you have? So, well, I just want somebody that's got the whole package. Man, I want some perfect people. Well, even God doesn't use perfect people. <laughs> he uses you and me. <laughs> Here's my point, though, is what do you have faith for? What, what do you get excited about? That's a clue. Um, I was in India two years ago. And uh, we needed some property to build children's homes, to rescue children from human trafficking, to build a Bible school, to train pastors. And we were in this field. And uh, I told this guy, the real estate agent, I said, we'll take it. He said, it's it's three acres, it's $100,000. I said, okay, we'll take it. He said, all right, great. How would you like to pay for it? I said, incrementally. He said, I don't understand. I said, well, here's the thing. I don't have any money, but I need this, this field. I need this land, and so I'll take it. He said, well, you have to have money. I said, I, I know. I'll, I'll have some, but I don't have it right now. But I want this field. I want this three acres, so I'll take it. He said, well, what are you going to do here? I said, we're going to rescue children from human trafficking. We're going to train pastors to plant churches, and we're going to have a local church here. He said, well, I too am a, am a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. And I tithed to my local church. I said, I knew I liked you the minute I met you. <laughs> he said, but, but if I'm going to tithe to my local church, I have to sell, and that, that requires an exchange of money. You have to have some money, sir. I said, I understand. I, I, I'm a, I need this land, and I want this land, and I'll take it. It's mine in Jesus' name, and I will get you your money. So he thought for a second, and he said, okay, I believe you. He said, I, and I... Now, dude must have had some cabbage. He said, I'll buy it, 
and you can buy it back for me over the next one year interest-free. Do we have a deal? I said, can we shake on that right now? <laughs> and that's what happened. And over one year, now, I didn't have any money in the natural, but I had faith for it. And over one year, we gave the man his $100,000, and it's completely paid for right now. In Jesus' name, it's ours. I had faith for it. And then we needed to build the wall around it to keep the elephants out and the orphans in. And, and that was another $100,000 to dig wells and all that. And that money came in. I don't know how. It's just supernatural. I had faith for it. And now we need $73,800 to build the first level of our Bible school for the men's and women's dorms, the classroom. And I don't have any of that either. But it, So I had not stopped this so far. All you got to do is call things that be not as though they are, right? So what do you have faith for? That's a clue to your assignment and to your destiny. Amen? And so just step out and use your gifts progressively. And I'll close with this. Um, courage and opportunity. Courage and opportunity. They can be ways that God speaks to you. So uh, remember Joseph in the Bible? His brothers betrayed him, threw him in a pit. He got sold into slavery at Potiphar's house. And then he got wrongfully accused for something he didn't do and got thrown into prison. And there he is in prison. And along came the baker and the butler. And they had gifts and talents that Joseph didn't have, but he needed their gifts and talents. But Joseph had a talent and a gift that they didn't have that they needed. They had dreams, and Joseph interpreted their dreams, and they both came to pass. And um, the butler got reinstated, and one day he returned the favor, and he goes, Hey, there's this guy, Pharaoh, in prison that can interpret dreams. He can interpret your dream. And so their talents served each other, blessed each other. But Joseph had the courage to take the opportunity. He had faith and courage to take the opportunity that was set before him. What opportunities that come along, you get stirred up, you're like, ooh, I could flip that house. Ooh, I could start that business. Ooh, I could ask her out. What what courage, what what opportunity stirs the courage in your heart? Because that's a clue to your assignment. Hey, I can make this marriage work. Hey, I can make this investment. Ooh, oh, I bet I could write a book about that. Well, maybe you should. You see what I'm saying? So what opportunity stirs up your courage? That's a clue. That's a clue. Amen? So don't get caught up in your weaknesses. You have enough strengths to create any future that you want. Amen. Isn't that good news? Amen. So... What are my three points? That's the title. Do you, boo. Point number one is be who you be, do what you do, and it is what it is. So do you, boo. God made you the way he made you because there's stuff that he needs done in the earth through you. In Jesus' name, did you get anything out of this today? Amen. We just, amen. Laying a foundation. We'll get into some super practical stuff over the next two weeks, like how to how to know the will of God for your life and things like that. So I want to lead you in a confession today. Would you say this after me today? Say, Holy Spirit, give me the ability to discern my difference. What makes me different? And to market that to others that need me. Something inside of me qualifies for reward. I magnify that gift. Help me notice the gifts in others, to network with them until we both succeed, releasing your will in the earth. 
Now, just thank God for the abilities he's given you right now. Just take a moment and thank him for the abilities on the inside of you. Amen. Here's what I want, I want you just to celebrate your difference. I, I, I want you to celebrate you. Don't despise the way you are. Celebrate the way you are. That God made you perfectly to be and do what he's called you to do. So just take, just take 10, 15 seconds and just express your thanks to God. That Like, like me. Thank you, Lord. I'm five foot seven. I fit on international flights so comfortably. I appreciate the way you made me. Oh, Lord, I'm just so thankful. However, just, just do you, boo. Just take 15 seconds and thank God that he made you the way you are. Amen. Celebrate you. Celebrate you. I celebrate you. God celebrates you. Celebrate yourself today. Because you're awesome and you're unique. In Jesus' name. I want to pray for those who can't seem to find their dominant gift today or discover where your uniqueness belongs to benefit the kingdom or to benefit other people. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would cause them to flourish where they are and link them to their next season of their life. Reward their abilities and gifts. May their dominant strength be seen by another that has the power to promote them. I pray that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened, that they would know the hope of your calling. Fill them with the knowledge of your will in Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today, I want you to know that you will never discover your destiny until you make Jesus the Lord of your life. He's the one who made you. So if you're here today, I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation. And if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm not going to make you stand up or walk to the front or anything like that. If you're watching us online today, if you need to pray the prayer of salvation, join us right now. If you you would say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. Slip your hand up right now all over the room. Say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Come on. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. Anybody else want to join these about three or four folks? Awesome. If you raise your hand or should have raised your hand, join us in this prayer right now. Let's say this together, Harvest Church. Say, Heavenly Father forgive me of my sin and save me I declare that Jesus is the Lord of my life he was raised from the dead and spiritually he's raising me from the dead right now I am yours and you are mine in Jesus name amen can we just make some noise for those who just made Jesus the Lord of their life today Woo! it's awesome